is Joshua, and I am seven. And why is Jesus better than anything else? He died for our sins. Being a kid isn't easy. You know you're supposed to be good, and sometimes you feel like you're doing a great job. But then the next minute, you do something wrong again. That's why we need Jesus and to remember the good news of the gospel every day. Not just the part about when Jesus came to earth, but God's rescue plan from before he even created the world and the hope of living with him forever so that we can see through every story in the Bible why Jesus is better than anything else and why he wants you to join him. Hi friends, Thomas Morse here again. I'm so happy that we get to learn more about King David and the kingdom that he's building in Israel in the book of 2 Samuel. I wanted to tell you a little bit more about my family today. I've been married to my wife, Elysia, for almost 10 years. Are any of you even 10 years old? My wife and I love worshiping God with our congregation, which is called Springbrook in Renton, Washington. We take our five-year-old daughter, Maya, and four-year-old son, Malachi, to worship on Sundays. We love meeting with our friends and family to worship the living God every week and remember Jesus and why he is better than anything else. So last week we saw what happens when people act selfishly and ignore God as the true king. God had anointed David as his next king of Israel, but Saul's son Ishbosheth decided to try to keep hold of the kingdom that God had torn away from his father. This week we'll see what ends up happening to Ishbosheth and how David becomes the king over all of Israel, not just Judah and a few other tribes. Let's go ahead and read. Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, heard that Abner had died in Hebron. He wasn't so brave anymore, and all the Israelites became alarmed. Two men in Ishbosheth's army led small fighting groups that attacked their enemies. The names of the men were Banah and Rechab. They were the sons of Ramon from the town of Beeroth. Ramon was from the tribe of Benjamin. Beeroth is considered to be part of Benjamin. That's because the people who used to live in Beeroth had run away to get to him. They have lived there as outsiders to this day. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son named Mephibosheth, and both of Mephibosheth's feet were hurt. He was five years old when the news that Saul and Jonathan had died came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and ran, but as she hurried to get away, he fell down. And that's how his feet were hurt. Rechab and Benah started out for the house of Ishbosheth. They were the sons of Ramon from Beeroth, and they arrived there during the hottest time of the day. Ishbosheth was taking his early afternoon nap. Rechab and his brother Benah went into the inside part of the house, and they acted as if they were going to get some wheat. Instead, they stabbed Ishbosheth in the stomach, and then they slipped away. They had gone into the house while Ishbosheth was lying on his bed in his bedroom, and they stabbed him and killed him. And then they cut off his head and took it with him. They traveled all night through the Arab Valley. They brought the head of Ishbosheth to King David at Hebron. They said to him, Here's the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul. Saul was your enemy. He often tried to kill you. Today the Lord has paid back Saul and his family. He has let you get even with them. You are our king and master. David gave an answer to Rechab and his brother Benah. They were the sons of Ramon from Beeroth, and David said, 
The Lord has saved me from every trouble. Someone once told me Saul is dead. He thought he was bringing me good news, but I grabbed him and I had him put to death in Ziklag. That's the reward I gave him for his news, and that's just as sure as the Lord is alive. Now, you evil men, have killed a man in his own house. He hadn't done anything wrong. You killed him while he was lying in his own bed. You spilled his blood. So shouldn't I spill your blood? Shouldn't I wipe you off the face of the earth? Then David gave an order to his men, and they killed Rechab and Benah. But they buried the head of Ishbosheth in Abner's tomb at Hebron. All the tribes of Israel came to see David at Hebron. They said, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, Saul was our king, but you led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, You will be the shepherd over my people Israel. You will become their ruler. All the elders of Israel came to see King David at Hebron. There the king made a covenant with them in front of the Lord. They anointed David as king over Israel. David was thirty years old when he became the king. He ruled for forty years. In Hebron he ruled over Judah for seven and a half years. In Jerusalem he ruled over all Israel and Judah for thirty-three years. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem. They went to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, You won't get in here. Even the people who can't see or walk could keep you from coming in. The Jebusites thought, David can't get in here. But David captured the fort of Zion, and it became known as the city of David. On that day, David had said, Someone might win the battle over the Jebusites, but they will have to crawl through the water tunnel to get into the city. That's the only way they can reach those enemies of mine that say, You can't see or walk. That's why people say, Those who can't see or walk won't enter David's palace. David moved into the fort, and he called it the city of David. He built up the area around the fort. He filled in the low places. He started at the bottom, and then he worked his way up. David became more and more powerful. And that's because the Lord God, who rules over all, was with him. Hiram was king of Tyre. He sent messengers to David. He sent cedar logs along with them, and he also sent skilled workers, and they worked with wood and stone. They built a palace for David. Then David knew that the Lord had made his position as king secure. He knew that he had made him king over the whole nation of Israel. He knew that the Lord had greatly honored his kingdom. The Lord had done it because the Israelites were his people. After David left Hebron, he got more wives in Jerusalem. More sons and daughters were born to him there. Here's a list of the children who were born to him in Jerusalem. Their names were Shemua, Shabab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphelet. The Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, so their whole army went down to look for him. But David heard about it. He went down to his usual place of safety. The Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord for advice. He said, Should I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answered him, Go, I will surely hand the Philistines over to you. 
So David went to Baal-perazim. There he won the battle over the Philistines, and he said, The Lord has broken through against my enemies when I've attacked them. He's broken through just as water breaks through a dam. That's why the place was called Baal-perazim. Philistines left the statues of their gods there, so David and his men carried off the statues. Once more the Philistines came up, and they spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord for advice, and the Lord answered, Do not go straight up. Instead, circle around behind them. Attack them in front of the poplar trees. Listen for the sound of marching in the tops of the trees, and then move quickly. The sound will mean that I have gone out in front of you. I will strike down the Philistine army. So David did just as the Lord had commanded. He struck down the Philistines. He struck them down from Gibeon all the way to Gezer. So, the first chapter that we read today talked about the false king Ishbosheth. He was killed by leaders from his own army. Now, I'm a little sad that Ishbosheth was killed this way, but his name is also incredibly hard to pronounce, and so I'm glad he's not featured prominently in the rest of our story. But did you expect that David would react that way? This wasn't the first time that David had become upset for someone killing one of his enemies. Remember what happened to the man that told David he had killed Saul? The same thing. David trusts fully in his God, and he knows that God will fight all of his battles for him. He knows that the people around him aren't really the ones he needs to fight, but instead he must focus on acting righteously before God. Psalm 2 reflects this same attitude. Will you join me in prayer over this wonderful psalm? Why do the nations plan evil together? Why do they make useless plans? The kings of the earth rise up against the Lord. Rulers of the earth join together against his anointed king. Let us break free from their chains, they say. Let us throw off their ropes. The God who sits on his throne in heaven laughs. The Lord makes fun of those rulers and their plans. And when he's angry, he warns them. When his anger blazes out, he terrifies them. He says to them, I have placed my king on my holy mountain of Zion. I will announce what the Lord has promised. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will give the nations to you. All nations on earth will belong to you. You will break them with an iron scepter. You will smash them to pieces like clay pots. Kings, be wise. Rules of the earth, be warned. Serve the Lord and have respect for him. Celebrate his rule with trembling. Obey the Son completely, or he will be angry. Your way of life will lead to your death. His anger can blaze out at any moment. Blessed are all those who go to him for safety. Amen. I love this psalm because it helps me remember how powerful and mighty our God is. I don't think that I'd want to stand up to the mayor of the city that I live in or a powerful leader of a country, but God laughs at them. God thinks that their plans are foolish, and he invites us to be part of the plans for his kingdom. In God's kingdom, you see, the humble are first. Jesus tells us that the poor are taken care of, that the weak are given strength. 
in your life, is this how you treat others? Do you try to be the most important person in your class? Or do you treat others as more important than yourself? Do you help the poor in your community? Do you feed them or clothe them or shelter them? You might not think that you can do much as a kid, but you'd be surprised how God can use you to do powerful and wonderful things in his kingdom. Maybe you can talk to your parents after the end of our podcast about some ways that you could help the weak, the poor, and the vulnerable in your city. Or maybe you can pray to God to show you how you can help the people in your own life. So the second story we read about was David capturing the city of Jerusalem, or Zion. This town was a stronghold of Israel's enemies until David realized how excellent it could be for Israel. One of the other projects I work on is a resource called Lamplighters. If you go to www.lamplightersdevo.com and go to the recite page, you can scroll down and see a really good picture of Israel and better understand why Jerusalem was such a good capital city for David. Just like the Jebusites said, it was really easy to defend. It's on a large hill, and it's surrounded by tough terrain. Also, it's really well protected by steep cliffs to the west, which protects it against attack from Israel's enemy, the Philistines. Check out those pictures and other resources available on Lamplighters to dive even deeper into the scriptures and family devotionals. You can also find links on AliciaYoder.com, too. The last story is about David fighting the Philistines. Whenever Saul faced the Philistines, he was afraid, but David always turned to God for advice. We would all be better off if we acted this way. Whenever we see something scary or hurtful in our life, we should always turn to God in prayer. Talking to God when you're scared is always the best thing to do. You can ask God for help and for courage. Sometimes the problem in our life might look like a scary fortress like Jerusalem. But God knows that even though they look scary to us, they can be turned into something for his good. This doesn't mean that the bad thing in your life is good, but it does mean that God will help you face that scary thing every time. God knows that when you overcome the scary or frustrating things in your life, you'll be able to do even greater things in his kingdom. Just imagine how difficult the great city of Jerusalem looked. It had stood for hundreds of years. None of the Israelites had ever taken it, and it just kept getting stronger and stronger. More of Israel's enemies would move there, build up the walls. But it took someone like David to imagine how the city could be used as part of God's kingdom, instead of as an enemy to God's kingdom. There wasn't anything about the city itself that was evil. It was just being used for evil purposes. So King David was able to look past this difficult task of taking over Jerusalem and see that it was the right thing to do, in spite of how difficult it might be. God will not make you do it alone either. Hopefully you have wonderful brothers and sisters in your church family 
or parents, siblings, and others who want to fight with you against the bad things in your life. But even if you don't, you have the Lord of the universe on your side when you turn to him, ask for his guidance and his help and his comfort. That's all this week. Thanks, friends. See you next time.